0: Turn now to God's Word. Uh, we're continuing in our series on Galatians and going through each of the fruits of the Spirit. And so uh, we're going to look at Galatians five twenty two, and we're also going to look at a story that uh, that gets us in, you know gets us into this idea of joy and, uh, and how to how to have that fruit of the Spirit in in your life. So first let's let's look at Acts chapter sixteen. Verses 22 to 34. Paul and Silas in prison. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. This girl followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, "'These men are servants of the Most High God, who are telling you the way to be saved.'" She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so troubled that he turned around and said to the spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. When the owners of the slave girl realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open, and everybody's chains came loose. "...believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household." Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his family were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy." Because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole family. And Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 to 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. Against such things, there is no law. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, one of the most interesting people I've ever met in my life was a guy named Andrew White, and it's you know it's kind of a kind of a normal name, it's kind of a plain name, but he he's a fascinating guy. He is a pastor, and I, I met him while I was serving in New York, and he's the pastor of a church called uh, Saint George's Church, and he serves in. You guessed it, Baghdad, Iraq. St. George's Church in Baghdad. He's actually known as the vicar of Baghdad because that is the only Anglican church that's left in in Iraq. And he came to New York to share about his ministry. There's about ten of us that gather together for, for lunch for a couple hours, and he just described his ministry in Baghdad um, think of everything that his congregation has gone through over the last you know fifteen or twenty years, all that they 've suffered, just you know seeing their city bombed out, seeing um, a corrupt ruler in Saddam Hussein, seeing ISIS come in after him, and you know perhaps the most heartbreaking is seeing the church, the church of Jesus, the church built on Christ, the church that's been there for 2,000 years in the Middle East, right? Christianity was founded in the Middle East. <laughs> Christianity was founded in, in, uh, in this region. To see it go from a million and a half people in 1987 down to less than a million when Saddam Hussein was ousted, You know, it was about 17 years ago now, all the way from a million down to, they say that there's less than 250,000 Christians that are left in Iraq because it's such an unsafe place, and anybody that can, leave and can get out does it. So think about every think about pastoring a church like, like that and overseeing you know groups of churches and just trying to put food in the mouths of the people in your church and, and clothing on their back and all of the trauma that they've dealt with in a place like Iraq. And you would really expect that Reverend White would be, you know, Debbie Downer, like a total drag to, to hang out with, to be this really sort of serious, morose guy. And he is absolutely full of life and vitality and energy and enthusiasm he's full of joy he loves jesus and he loves his people and he was an absolute he was just a delight to spend time with and to learn from he had he had me you know smiling and even laughing for 2 hours just telling these incredible stories about how god is working even in Iraq, even in this place that seems so hellish and so void of of God. He was one of the most joyful people that I've ever met. How is that that possible? To be a pastor in Baghdad and to be so full of joy? It's it's the joy of Jesus. It's the joy that he gives us. It's the fruit of of the Spirit, of being connected to the Holy Spirit, of being connected to the vine and seeing fruit. Fruit like love and, and joy. When you are connected to the vine, when you're connected to Jesus, you can have joy even when it doesn't make sense. You can have joy when everything's falling apart. You can have joy when everything you know, has gone wrong. Everything is going wrong. And you, you and I, you and I can find joy by, by being connected to, to Jesus. Because who is Jesus? He's the one that invented joy. He's the creator of joy. He's the giver of joy. It's his idea. And this is really important because all of us, in some sense, are looking for joy. We, we want joy. We, we think maybe we just want to be happy. We just want things to be okay. But God created us and God made us. It's in our DNA to have something that's even deeper than happiness. To have joy. Joy that doesn't change with our circumstances. To have this deep sense of purpose and joy. There is... There's joy, see if you can remember this, it's, it's very, you know, it's a little alliteration, a little, little preacher trick. There's joy in the journey with Jesus. Repeat that. There's joy in the journey with Jesus. Somebody say joy. 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 Woo! That feels good. It just feels good to say joy. It's, I had a lot of fun putting together the message on joy. Right? i got to preach on a lot of things. But joy, joy is this beautiful thing. So let's let's dig into this passage a little bit. Paul and Silas, I got to preach on Silas too. I don't think I've ever done that before. I love that. I love that name, Silas. I love this character in the Bible named Silas. And so Silas and and Paul, I guess too, they've been doing this ministry out on the the streets. They're They're in Philippi. And they they cast a demon out of this girl. And that really made her owner angry because that was his source of income. That's what he depended on. And this this girl, she was like a walking, talking horoscope. And, you know, just like today, people pay for that. People, you know, think that they want to know what the future holds and they think this other person can do it and all those sorts of things. So they were brought to the town square... And they were accused of disturbing the city. And they were stripped naked. And they were beaten. And they were placed, not only in, a, in jail, but they were placed in a dungeon. You know, it says in the inner room. And they were locked up in stocks. So imagine that. They're probably, they're you know, they're sitting in their underwear in this prison, in this stalk. It's midnight. They have the right to be very angry, very bitter, to be dejected to be giving up hope to think God why why would you do this to us you know we're trying to do good stuff for you you know we're representing you here God why would you let this happen but they're not doing any of that what they're doing is praying and worshiping I love that singing makes us joyful music makes us joyful And they are making a joyful noise in this prison. And it says even that the people around them, the other prisoners, they're just listening. They're not telling them to shut up. They're not telling them they're bad singers. They're just listening and they're enjoying it. And when they are worshipping, they are remembering that there's a bigger story going on, that there's something more going on. Where did they even find the strength to do that? They, like, you know, earlier in Acts, when Peter and the other apostles are, um, are suffering, and when they get beaten up, they say this incredible thing. In, in Acts 5, it says, Peter and the other apostles rejoiced, joy, rejoiced, that God found them worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus. They were rejoicing that God found them worthy. So instead of saying, "Why God, how could you let this happen?" and being angry and bitter and despondent, they have joy, whether they're in chains or whether they're out of chains. And Paul actually writes, writes more about that. So they had this joy that's bubbling up in their life. and we find ourselves in you know similar positions, right? Maybe not locked up in jail, maybe not beaten, sometimes, who knows, but struggling, asking, you know, wondering why this happened, wondering why God would let this or that happen. And I know that that's the case for a lot of us, because we've been walking together, and the thing, when I, when I visit you, when I'm in your home, when we're meeting in my office, whatever it is, we all have these things that weigh on our hearts. These things that we're not sure why God allowed this to happen. And we're, we question and we wonder. And we might ask why. And I think that when, when truly terrible things happen, when tragedy happens, when the death of a loved one happens, we, of course, we ask why God. Of course we do, and we see that all over the Psalms, but you can't live in that place. You can't stay there, because God has more to the story. We open ourselves up to that, and we're part of God's healing and God's redemption, and we see that there's more to the story. Today, we, we have so many um, distractions. You know, we have so many things that we kind of worry about and that we're consumed about and things that we think that we want or things that we need. But a lot of times, they just end up, you know, like that song says, they just end up stealing our joy and robbing from us what God wants to give us. They just kind of intercept those Those nutrients, you know, that if we're connected to the vine, we're going to have that that fruit. And I'm not, when I talk about joy, I'm not talking about happiness. I think there's a difference. I think there's a distinction that we we need to remember. Um, It's not just happiness or putting on a happy face. It's not coming to church and faking it pretending that everything's okay. It's, it's this, joy is this thing that we can have that's underneath the whole rest of our life, no matter what's going on. And it's joy in, in the valley. It's joy in a season of grief. Because it's not, it doesn't come from you. <laughs> You know, joy doesn't come from you. You didn't produce it. You didn't will it into being. It's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. It comes from being connected to the true vine. And, you know, a lot of us grew up singing that Sunday school song, and we we sang it in Sunday school this morning, you know. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. You're, yes, thank you. You're, thank you. You're supposed to say where? Where? Down in my heart. And I think the, the real key to that song is you know that, that third verse that says, I've got the peace that passes understanding down in my heart, down in my guts, down in my will, down in, down in my heart. Because peace and joy are not that different. Joy is... Joy is like that peace that we have. That It's like when you're going through rough waters. You know, your your life has just been upended. And things are going on. You don't know why. You don't know how they happened. But it's like the the captain of the ship, and he's kind of seen this story before. This captain has been through a few storms and seen some stuff. And he knows we're going to make it. And so the captain just steers that ship through those rough waters. That's joy. It's not dependent on the circumstance. It kind of reminds me of, uh, you know, this goes back a little bit, but it kind of reminds me of Forrest Gump. You know, with uh, they're in that huge storm. Captain Dan. Captain Dan. He got his legs blown off in Vietnam, but he's still got joy. And they're in that terrible storm. It's like a hurricane. I think it's like in Louisiana or something. And Captain Dan is up there on the top of the ship, and he is like having a good time. He's shouting, he's yelling, he's kind of, you know, talking with God and everything. But he's got joy, even in the storm. And the next morning, it's just so peaceful and calm. So let's let's check in on Paul and Silas again. Because there's so there's so much in that story. There's so much grace in the, in uh, in this story. They they have they have this incredible joy, and God takes it and does incredible things with it. He first of all, there's freedom for Paul and Silas. You know, literally, they're freed from their chains. And that's this move of God, this earthquake, this miracle. But that leads to all these other things. Because they had joy. You know, like I said before, they don't care if they're in chains or out of chains. So when the chains come off, they don't sprint out of the jail. They stay right there. And that actually allows this jailer to live. Because he was going to take his own life. So that's the second thing that happens. Because of the joy that Paul and Silas are showing, this jailer is spared. And then the third thing that happens is mission. You know, Paul and Silas, they they don't even need to go out on the streets to talk about Jesus or to share faith. They realize that even right in that prison, they can share why they're so joyful. They can share why they don't have to run. But they're content. And that, the joy that they have and the fact that they didn't try to run away, it confuses the jailer so much that he's like, he's got one question. You know, he's, and he's got fear, he's got trepidation, he's, his mind is blown because it's this earthquake and everything that's going on. And he just says to them, what do I need to do to be saved? What do I need to do to have the joy that you guys have? What do I need to do that God can take away my fears and give me peace? And so Paul tells him what he needs to do to be saved. He needs to clean up his act. He needs to stop sinning. He needs to go to church twice every Sunday. And then perhaps in a year or two, he can be baptized. No. He says, believe. That's all it takes. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you will be saved. And he's baptized that night. Him and his whole household. Because they believe in God. Because they trusted in Jesus. Because of the joy. And what does it say? At the end of this whole story, it says that the jailer rejoiced. The jailer was filled with with joy because he had come to believe in God. So they're even sharing the joy that God's given them. They're just vessels for it. The Spirit is giving them joy and they're passing it along to everyone, even when they're in jail, even to these surprising people. So how can we, how can we find this joy? How can we live in this joy that the Spirit is cultivating? First, I think we have to understand what takes away our joy. You know, we have to be thoughtful and reflective on our lives and say, what are some areas of life that, that I'm getting tripped up? Where are some things that are really frustrating me that, that I let steal my joy? That I, you know, like the hose gets, gets a little bit kinked. There, you know, As I reflected on that for my own life, and as I think about, you know, pastoral ministry and I think about the world around me, there's some things that are really common, I think. There's things that, that steal my joy. I mean, it's, it's easy to let money or lack of money, you know, steal our joy. And we can get stressed. We can get uptight. We can get really fearful, about money and what the future holds. And, and yet, when we remember who God is, when we remember God's incredible generosity toward us, and that we just get to take care of God's gifts for the time that we're on this earth, it, it short-circuits you know, the devil's work of stealing joy. When we, when we know that we are stewards of, God, of everything that God has given us, we, we, we recognize that why would we ever let a temporary thing like money steal our eternal joy? This thing that, that, that we have, that we can get from God himself. The second thing that I think steals people's joy is is thinking about time. And I, you know, I often get frustrated with, with time, whether that's I'm running late for a meeting or running to this or that, or in the bigger picture of, God, I, I, I really want this thing to happen. And I really want to be in this place. And, and God, why is your timing so slow? And yet, again, when we come back to who... God is. And that God is the one that's in charge. That God is the one that controls time. That that, that could never steal our joy. The, the third thing is... other people. You know, other people. My, my uh, favorite seminary professor, he used to always tell us, he said, never let him steal your joy. And I think, you know, unfortunately... The them in this situation was your congregation. <laughs> never let, never let you know the, the the manipulators, the liars, the people that stir up trouble. I mean, he never met the wonderful people of this church. So you know, I, he was talking to the other seminarians, I guess. But just this this recognition that everybody is made in the image of God, that everybody is, has their struggles, that everybody is carrying a lot of things that we probably don't even know about. And, and why, you know, why would we let other people steal our joy? A lot of times we even let other people that are sitting behind a computer typing out things to us, we let them steal our joy. And that just that seems ridiculous when you say it out loud. If if there is something that's divisive, if there is something that you don't understand, whatever happened to a face-to-face conversation, resolving our conflict like the Bible teaches us to, um, just getting with face-to-face and being curious, you know, remembering what Jesus said, to just assume that we have a log in our eye and that our brother or sister has a speck. And thinking about people that way and never letting them steal our joy, never letting us steal that thing that's underneath our life. In all of these things, we we lose our joy when we when we forget that Jesus is in charge, that He's the King, that He's on His throne. We don't need to take things into our own hands. We, if we want to experience joy, we do the same thing that that, that, that jailer did. You know, we, we surrender. We remember what, what it is to be saved. We, we repent and we believe. And what when we're thinking about joy, what is repentance? It's, it's admitting that we try to seek joy without Jesus. You know, that, that we want joy without the creator of joy. And again, that, that makes no sense at all because Jesus is the giver. He's the creator. He invented it. He, he doesn't just want us to be happy. He wants us to have joy that's deep for our whole lives. And he knows we'll go through difficult times. He knows that we'll grieve. He knows that we'll suffer. But we can have this joy that's underneath all of that. When we, when we come to the Lord's table, which we're going to do in a few minutes here, what we're doing is remembering. We're remembering that Jesus is on his throne, that he is taking care of us, that he's given his life for us so that we wouldn't be separated from God, so that we wouldn't be ostracized from God, so that we wouldn't be stuck you know, looking for joy on our own or looking for happiness in anything else but that we could have joy, joy from Jesus who suffered and died for us. That's what we remember. When you take the bread and the juice this morning, remember that. Remember what Christ has done for you. Remember that that is the doorway to joy, to joy. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you have given us this gift. This gift of the Holy Spirit that brings joy into our our hearts and into our lives. God, all of us are tempted each day to, to try to find joy in other things. Things that you created instead of going straight to the source. So help us, Lord. Help our love for you to be deeper than anything else. That we can find contentment, that we can find peace, that we can find joy, not in anything else, but in you. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.